like that, I'd hit the back button. I'll tell you how old I am. If I was in my truck back in 92 and that thing hit, I'd have hit the rewind button. Been a cassette tape. How many of y'all young people, how many of you even know what a cassette tape is? Young people. How many... Is there any children here, a child, you know what a cassette tape is if you're a child? All of you do? All right. A cassette tape? All right. I'm not that old. Brother Roberts, you're the biggest child in here. And I say that lovingly. I don't say that ugly. Me and Brother Robert are friends. We're buddies. And and, uh, he loves music. I'm glad he does. I tell you what, if, you're e- if you ever have a question about music, I can promise you this. Robert, Brother Robert will be able to help you answer it. I can promise you. And uh, that's his love, and, and I appreciate that. And uh, he's always sending me um, songs on my phone uh, for just certain times. And I want him to know I appreciate that. But uh, he loves music. And... Uh, I know he, and he is a collector, not only of cassette tapes, you like the vinyls, the, the records, and uh, he has a record player and quite a setup, and uh, Brother Robert, how many, how many records do you think you have? Thousands. Thousands. He's collected them all of his life, and, uh, and uh, how many of y'all, and I'll only ask this, how many of the children here do you know what an old vinyl record is? You know what a vinyl record is? How many of you don't know what a vinyl record is? Would you raise your hand? All right, all of you children. Well, they're really, they're real. And you had to have a little needle on the thing. You had to put it on there and you could scratch them. And uh, so, but they play well if you keep them in good, good place. All right, would you open your precious Bible this morning to the book of Psalm? The book of Psalm, uh, chapter 18. Uh, Keep in mind the middle of the Bible, the book of Psalm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Those are books of poetry. And um, when you think about the middle of the book, the heart of the Bible, if you was to turn into the heart of the Bible, you're going to hit one of those poetical books. And the reason being is when you deal with the heart of the Bible, you're dealing with the heart of man. And so these are some very powerful psalms. And of course, we know that the psalm was written by different authors, but we know that all of them were Uh, truly inspired of God, but we know that God used uh, their personalities, their events, the circumstances that was going on in their life. And I want you to know, I think I made mention of this maybe last week, David is a very uh, very interesting human being. Um, One of my favorite Bible characters, and I I use the word character because he, he was a true, real man, but it amazes me that uh, this psalm that we're looking at today happens to be a psalm of David. Now keep in mind, if you know anything about the life of David, the life of David was very much in turmoil most of his life. That all started when a man showed up to his home and God had told this man, Samuel, that you're going to find the next king of Israel in Jesse's place. So when Samuel showed up there, God had already told him there was going to be a man there in that home that was going to be the next king of Israel. He said, I have chosen this king. So Samuel lined all of his boys up from the oldest to the youngest and didn't even line up David in that lineup. 
And when those boys passed, no doubt many of them were tall of stature. I'm sure many of them were muscular. Some of them were shorter than others. But all of them seemed like capable men from the physical standpoint. When those boys passed by Samuel, they just passed by. And at the end of all of that, Samuel, I'm sure if he could speak and talk, he probably would say, Lord, now you sent me here. You've chosen a king, but all of these boys have passed by. And he said, do you have another? And Jesse said, yes, I have another. He's the youngest, but he's out there tending the sheep. He said, go get him. And when David came, the Lord said, this is the man. Jesse, uh, Nate, or, uh, Samuel anointed him. And from that day till the end of his life, his life changed. Everything happened after that. He had lived a peaceful life up until that point, other than obviously fighting a lion and a bear to save the, the sheep. But I want you to know, sometimes, and what I'm bringing all of that out to you, Sometimes serving the Lord is not always a bed of roses. Sometimes when you're serving the Lord and you're trying to do the right thing, many times that's when things get harder. So I'm saying that to you as a Christian, you got to get tough. David had to get tough. David went through some very rough times. Now we know that he was a hero, essentially in the front end, because they had a problem. The Philistines had a champion named of Goliath, stood over 10 feet tall, was a man of war, had fought all of his life. And back then, that's how you settled wars. Instead of everyone fighting, if they would choose a champion, their best fighter, they would face one another. And of course, instead of shedding all of the blood, they would only allow two men to die or one man to die and one be the victor. And so... There was no one that was brave enough to face in all of the army and of all the great men of Israel. Not one of them, including the king, was not brave enough to go and fight Goliath. And so, you know, when David come to be an encouragement to his brothers, he heard this man defying the God of Israel. And David said, is there not a cause? And so he said, I want to go fight this man. And he wasn't someone that was looking for glory. He wasn't someone that was looking uh, for honor, he had never even fought in his life. He had not been trained to fight. All he had was a sling and, and he didn't have stones with him. The Bible said he had to go down to the brook to pick up five stones. That's like going to a fight without any bullets. So he didn't come prepared to fight. That's not why he came there that day. He came there that day to be an encouragement to his brothers. But then because of the greatness in him. The greatness in David. He rose to the challenge. And even the king tried to dissuade him. Tried to put armor on him. And a little phrase that I've heard so many messages on. He said, I cannot fight with your armor because they have not been proven to me. The only thing he knew that was proven to him was a little sling. But more so than proven to him than a little sling. He was trusting more than a sling and stones. He was trusting the God of heaven. And so when he faced that giant, the Bible doesn't tell us that he came to him sheepishly. The Bible, if you read that account, he ran to him. Now here's this young man, someone might say that he was under the age of 21 at the time. I personally believe he was a teenager. And he ran in front of this whole army, these two armies facing one another. And he ran there to courageously fight this giant. And the giant even tried to scare him and disdain him before the fight ever started. But I want you to know something. 
in the power of God's might, he smote, struck that giant, hit him right between the eyes. The Bible said hit him right between the temple and it killed that giant instantly. Now to be a little humorous, and I think we need a little bit of humor this morning. I need a little bit of humor. Pastor Altizer, I served with him for seven and a half years in Greystone. And when he told that story about how David killed Goliath, I never heard it before in my life. I'm going to tell you right now, he said, David came and he said, I'm going to tell you right now, David came and he popped him. He dropped him. Then he hopped him. And then he chopped him. He was the victor. And then to make all of you women real squeamish today, he carried that head around of that Goliath like he carried a, ro a bouquet of roses. It was his trophy. Everyone knew that Goliath was dead. Once that head was severed, there's no chance for him coming back. He walked around with that head to know. And we know God wrought a great victory that day. But then because of that great victory... It calls in the heart of Saul, the king, to become jealous of him. And many times from that day forward, he tried to kill him. He chased him. He hunted him down like a dog. And this is one of the things that really truly reveals the character of David. There was a time when Saul was hunting David, didn't even know it, but David was hiding in a cave. And the very one that was hunting him came into that cave, and he was as defenseless as defenseless could be. Saul walked in that cave to take care of some things. He was completely defenseless. He had no idea that David was in that cave with him. And David thought in his heart, and he did. Could have killed him. His trouble could have ceased right there. Him being chased like a dog could have ended. He could have taken Saul's life. But all he did is he took a little piece of his garment... But after he did that, I want you to think with me a minute. The character of this man. The character of this man. As Saul left, the Spirit of God smote David. And David said, I have done this to the Lord's anointed. And he showed himself out of that cave and could have died. And he even publicly spoke and told Saul that he had done this to him. That's character. So what we're reading here is when we read this psalm, we're talking about a strong man. When you think of David, he's not a weakling. He's not a weakling. He's a very strong man. He had endured a lot of things. He was a good man. But when you read this passage of Scripture... You might not see through your mind's eyes that you're reading of a strong man. You might think he's weak. But I want you to notice, even in his weakness, to me, he's a strong man. Because he knows that the only help that he has while he's being chased. Because, by the way, that's what this passage is about. The, the, to the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spake unto the Lord the words of the song in the, that day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. So this is one of these particular situations where I'm sure that David laid his head on, maybe he didn't have a pillow, but he laid his head down for that night and he did not think he could make it another day. 
The storms were so rough. He was so confused. He was so hurt. He was so scared because he was being chased by the most powerful man in Israel. So I want you to go with me as we look at one of these days, one of these nights that he puts his feelings into words. Verse 1 of chapter 18, Psalm 18. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my High tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about, the snares of death prevented me. In other words, he wanted to die. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even unto his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundation also, the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. There went up a smoke out of his nostrils, and fire out of his mouth, devoured coals, were kindled by it. Bowed the heavens also and came down and Darkness was under his feet, and he rode upon a cherub and did fly. Yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place. Think of that. His pavilion round about him were dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. At the brightness that was before him, his thick clouds passed hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the highest gave his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. Yea, he sent out his arrows and scattered them, and he shot out lightnings and discomfited them. Then the channels of waters were seen, and the foundations of the world were discovered at thy rebuke. O Lord, at thy blast of thy breath of thy mouth, nostrils, he sent from above, he Took me, he drew me out of many waters. Let's stop right there. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your many blessings. And again, we ask that you will help us today. And Lord, I pray, as I even read this passage, as David was giving testimony to you, that you had drew him out of many waters. Lord, I also want to thank you for drawing me out of many waters. And Lord, I believe there's a group of people here that's in this building and also that's listening online. If they was to be honest about it, they know that you have drew them out of many waters in their life. I pray now that you'll help us to encourage us. We think of this verse that the Gilly family is claiming for a little stone. And Lord, I pray that you will draw him out of deep waters. And Lord, as they are struggling in the bowels of their soul, in deep waters, no doubt, as a mom and a dad and a stepmom and a sister and family members, realizing their 
place at this moment that they have a little boy that's in a coma. Lord, I pray you'll help draw all of them out of deep water. We will thank you. We will praise you for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I want you to think something with me. I don't have any notes. I'm just going to preach on this text. Here's the thing that pops out to me first. Number one, this psalm is personal. You know why I know it's personal? Look at all the personal pronouns. The verse is scattered with them. To be honest with you, if you're going to read this verse, and if you were sitting there listening to, to David pray this prayer, or even if he's writing this psalm down, and he was vocally, verbally, audibly reciting this from the depths of his soul, if you were in his presence, you would know that it was even more personal than us just reading it. Because I could just imagine as he's crying this prayer out to God, I could imagine the emphasis of this verse to help him. He had to realize that he needed help. And it wasn't some help that was so far away. He said, it's my help. So as I even read the verse, I tried to emphasize the personal pronouns in this verse because David is in deep waters. David is in trouble of stole. David is in a great storm. David lived most of his life in a great storm. We realize this is when it was early on, even before he became king, he was still being chased by Saul. He was still dealing with all of that trouble, that storm, that heartache, that sorrow. And so from the depths of his soul, he starts to call out to God. And we can absolutely gain great strength and great help because not only was it personal to David, but as I read this verse, I can also say he's my deliverer. He's my fortress. He's my high tower. He's my God. He's my deliverer. My question this morning is, can you say as David that he's yours? If you can say he's yours this morning, would you, rate, would you just say amen? amen? Aren't you glad that he's yours? We can say he's mine. The Lord is my shepherd. You say, Pastor, why is that so personal? David was also always so personal with his psalms. He was always personal. Why? Because nothing, get it now, write it down. If you don't have a pen, write this down in the fleshly tablet of your heart. Nothing is powerful until it becomes personal. Amen. I've said this before. I thank God that we have a group of people. And we have people here. We have a church. We have family members. And if we've never experienced certain things, we can hurt for someone. We can do our very best to try to understand, to try to encourage someone and help someone when they're going through something. And by the way, 
we need to try and we need to try to have a desire to try to help people going through things, even if we don't completely understand it. But I want you to know something as I think of this family and this mother that's down there in an ICU room that a mother don't even have a bed to lay on in the room. I've went down there to try to encourage her, but for me to say that I understand exactly where you are, I can't. I can't. Because that's not personal to me. That's not my son. But I want to say to Sarah and to the Gilly family, you have a church family and you have a lot of people that are trying to understand, but I want you all to know something. There is a God in heaven that understands. Why? Because he's personal. You know what I'm, I've learned? You know what I've learned Christians have tried to do for many, many years? They act like it's unspiritual to be hurt. They, like, they act like they're weak if they're struggling with something. We act like we're weak because we're hurt. You cannot read this song without realizing David is hurt. Like really, to be honest with you, all of this description, this is what he feels like. He said, I want you to know something. I'm hurt in such a way, death has even prevented me. In other words, he's saying, I want to die. Now this is the same man... That God said that he is a man after my own heart. It's personal. See, your life is personal. Your events that you deal with are personal. Your struggles are personal. And by the way, someone else might not know nor care. It does not matter. If you're going through something, it is personal and it hurts. Hurts, doesn't it? But I'm thankful that we have a God, even in the midst of our storm, even in the midst while we're hurt, even in the midst of when we don't understand, even in the midst while we're almost like David saying, I am so pained here. Rest would be good. I want you to know you and I have a personal God. You know why I know that? Because he ministers to us in a personal way. He tries to get our attention. He's working on us. See, it's so easy for us. We like to get lost in crowds. We like to affiliate ourselves with people. But God doesn't really do His great heart work when we're in a crowd. God does His real heart work when you lay your head on the pillow at night and everything is quiet and God starts to deal with you personally. This is a personal song. The Lord is my Rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer. He's my God. He's my strength. In other words, he said, I don't have strength. David said, I don't have strength. Yes, the very man that killed Goliath, the very man of war. David was a man. I mean, a man of man's. I mean, man, man, a man of men. A man of men. However you say it. Y'all just watch out every once in a while, West Virginia busts out on me. Someone said, he talks so educated. I really don't. I'm going to play something for y'all. 
See if I can find it. Come on now. I told the guys before they sung, we're real professional around here. Battery done went dead. So I'm all right. Don't y'all be nervous. I'm, I'll find it. I'm trying to find out why I can't find it already. Let's turn this on. Turn the, turn the mic on. You on it? Got it? I want y'all to listen to this. I'm just an old hillbilly from West Virginia that likes those brown veins. That's stunning. He knows I'm hillbilly. That was him at Halloween last week, last year, dressed up like a preacher. Personal, isn't it? But not only is it personal, it's powerful. This song's powerful. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength. In whom will I trust? My buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. You know what's powerful? You can look the world over and you'll never find all of this in one. You'll look the world over. You'll not find a rock in this world that is also a deliverer, also a high tower, also a fortress, also a God, also your strength. You'll only find that in the God of heaven. It's powerful. And how in the world could I imagine anyone going through struggle and trouble in this world without a rock, without a deliverer, without strength, without a high tower? But it's amazing to me, so many people are trying. And they're missing the power of the personal God. It's personal. It's powerful. But it's practical. You know why it's practical? This ain't mystical. This isn't mystical. Do you know what sometimes Christians like to do? And by the way, we should spiritualize everything. Everything's spiritual. But sometimes we spiritualize things. And to be quite honest with you, they just write down hurt. They just write down hurt. And David opens up his soul here. David opens up his heart. And here's what he says. I want you to know, I'm hurting God. Right now, I don't have any strength. Right now, the greatest need I have is a deliverer because I can't deliver myself. 
the, the stocks, the, the deck is stocked against me. Saul's been hunting me. He's going to catch me, Lord. I need a deliverer. I need a deliverer. I need you, Lord. I need strength. I can't even wake up tomorrow and even face the day without you helping me. That's practical, isn't it? We see a man that is a man of God, but yet he's human. It's practical. We all can relate to this psalm. We all could write this verse. There's been times in our life that we felt the same way. Maybe it comes out just like this with a cry from our soul. Oh, help me, God. That's practically it. You ever been so broken in your soul and heart that all you can say is, Oh, dear God, help me. And all you can say is over and over and over. Oh, dear God, help me. Oh, dear God, help me. Oh, dear God, help me. And that's all that your soul can muster up to say. You know why? Because we all get there from time to time. And by the way, what it might take to get you there might be different for someone else. But the truth is, every personal hurt... God has a powerful way to help cope with that. But the truth is this psalm is practical because every one of us can understand the humanity of the strongest Christian. It's practical. We need to meet, quit making Christianity so high and so like so difficult. No, it's practical. Basically like this. You hurting? Well, if you're hurting, you better get to Jesus. Pretty practical, isn't it? You know why though? Some people, because what they do is when they're hurting, they might turn to the bottle. They might turn to a drug. They might turn to something else. And it might quieten them for a while. But I want you to know something. David found the real, the real answer here. He said, God, I need you. I don't need a band-aid. I don't need 10 minutes. I don't need an hour. I don't need two weeks. I need you to do for me what I can't do the rest of my life. That's practical, isn't it? I mean, he really shows weakness here. And you know, can I help every man here just a second? You're not unmanly because you say you can't do something. I'm going to be honest with you. That's one reason why I believe that we have so few young men being called into the ministry today for the simple fact they've been told they can do and handle anything they can and they're so capable. But see, God doesn't want capable men. He wants broken men. That realize that they can't even walk without Him holding their hand. We have, we have so self-psychoanalysed uh, our young people today that, you know, we've tried to raise them and train them. Like, oh, we try to take all their hurts from them. We try to take all of their pain from them. And we try to take all of that. But that's where God makes your boy a man. That's where God does His work. He doesn't do it on the mountaintop. And I know as a parent, it's hard because you want to go and you want to take that hurt and you want to get that hurt off of them. But let me tell you something. The very God that loves them, loves them more than even you love them. He knows what he's doing. We try to shelter them by the way we should. In a sense, we should try to protect them and help them. By the way, children ought to be able to live like children, no doubt. Nonetheless, there's a God in heaven that works, as I read here just a minute, He works in the deep waters. That's His way. It's personal, it's powerful, 
it's practical. But then I, I want to close with this. And I, like I said, I don't have any notes. I have four words wrote down here. It's peaceful. <laughs> Y'all ever realize when you watch a good movie, you always want to watch a good movie. You want a good ending, don't you? You ever watched a movie or a story and they just kind of leave that thing open and you're like, well, what happened? I hate movies like that, don't y'all? How many of y'all are with me? Would you say amen? I mean, we always want the good guy to win. We always want for the peace to happen. We always want the good stuff to happen. We want the good guys to win. We want, we want them to realize when someone goes through some fight or some trouble, we want the good people to win for the right reasons, right? We want that peace to happen when we realize that they went through all of these things and we're wondering why they went through them. But at the end, as long as those people get peace, and I want you to know something, before we finish this psalm, I'm going to tell you, it was a bleak story and David is struggling. And yes, it was personal. Yes, it was powerful. Yes, it was practical. But I want you to know something. I want you to know something. Verse 16, he sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. You know what David's saying there? Now, God, I know you have drawn me out of many waters. And here's what he's saying by faith. And I know you're going to draw me out of this. Peace. I'm going to say to the Gilly family, I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm looking at him in the camera right now. I don't know what's going to happen. I wish I could tell you. I'm trusting God what I believe is going to happen. And looking at the whole situation with every little smallest of detail that has taken place from... The day that Stone had the stroke until even now. God didn't work out all them little old personal details. That he don't have a plan. He has a plan. How many of y'all believe he has a plan? He has a plan. And he don't have to get up every morning and tell me what that plan is. But here's why it's peaceful. How many of y'all have ever went through trouble? Raise your hand. How many of you ever been through deep waters? Now with the same hand, how many of you know that it was God that led you out of that deep water? There's the peace. You may not know how. And you may not know when. But he'll do it again. You may not know how. You may not know when, but he'll do it again. I'm trusting him for it. And I hope all of you will trust the same. Because we certainly have just read a personal psalm. We've read a powerful psalm. We've read a practical psalm. But we've also read a very peaceful psalm. And I hope that everyone that walks out of this building today will cling to that peace. Because he is the God of peace. Amen. No matter what we're going through. I'm going to ask you, would you stand to your feet this morning? I know there's many people sick, but I feel like I need to share this just so you'll know. But there's two grandchildren at the house and one of them has a fevered brow. So that's why they're not able to be here today. With your head bowed and eyes closed this morning, can I ask this question? You said, Pastor Mark, I'm here this morning and I don't know for sure 
if I die, I'm going to heaven. I'm just not sure. I've never heard preaching like this. I'm not quite sure what all of this means. Well, could I encourage you if you'll come forward and we won't embarrass you. We'll have someone take the Bible and show you how to be saved. We'll help you with it. There's answers to every problem of life. And the most important one is salvation. The greatest need that man has is to be saved from their sin. And Jesus provided that completely on the cross and when he raised from the dead. I pray you'll trust him today. I'm going to ask. Not only maybe you're going through something. But you know on behalf of this day that we're taking up this offering for this special family and this special little boy. How many of you would come around an old fashioned altar this morning. And just ask God to be personal to you. To be powerful. And let's be practical with him. But let's also leave this building today with peace. Knowing that no matter what is going on, God has a plan. Let's trust his plan. So they're going to begin to play. How many of you would come find just a place around the altar? Maybe. Make your pew. They've put underneath this verse, stone strong. Well, our greatest rock is the Lord Jesus Christ. walk in here this morning with a troubled soul, troubled heart there's peace
Amen. God bless you for being here today. We thank the Lord for each one of you. You're visiting with us. We praise the Lord for that. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Again, we remember this, uh, this psalm today. It's personal. We have a personal God. I'm so thankful for that. Let's pray and be back tonight. Looking forward to tonight's service. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God. Thank you for the messenger. I pray, dear Father, Lord, as we go to you today, help us, Lord, to realize that you are with us all the time. Help us to draw nigh to you by being in church, by uh, walking close to your side, hour by hour, minute by minute. I pray, dear Father, Lord, that you would guide each one of us as we go our separate ways, bring us back here to the next appointed time. Again, be with uh, Stone in a very special way throughout this afternoon. Be with his family, Lord, in a very special way. And may your will be done. And we'll thank thee and praise thee for what you will do in your precious name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.